In Matthew chapter 23, the Lord Jesus cautioned his disciples not to become like the Pharisees who loved the best places at feasts, the best seats in the synagogues, and the greetings in the marketplaces. This has been the topic of the current sermon on heavenly authority, and this is the radio broadcast of Shi'ar Jashub, coming from Shi'ar Jashub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut. Hi, I'm Patty Scalzo, and today my husband, Pastor Greg Scalzo, will be continuing this important message. Previously, Pastor discussed how the era Jesus warned against had crept into the Christian church. The Lord told his disciples not to be called rabbi or teacher, for one is your teacher, the Christ, and you are all brethren. Not to call anyone on earth father, for one is your father, he who is in heaven. Pastor Greg reviewed how unfortunately the Lord's words had been largely ignored throughout church history. When we left off, he was discussing true callings like pastor and teacher, which have scriptural basis, but which can likewise be distorted in the manner of the Matthew 23 error. Let's return to the Sunday message with Pastor Greg Scalzo. I have, I believe, the gift of teaching, though I do it sometimes with very stumbling lips. And the Lord prophetically made it known 23 years ago. And Shia Jashub is primarily a Bible teaching ministry. There's a lot of things we can't do because we're small, but we teach the Word of God. But I'm not the teacher, nor is any other man or any other woman. Only one is your teacher, the Christ. I can make mistakes, I can be wrong, and so can any other. But Jesus is never wrong. The Lord is never wrong. And while he will anoint teaching ministries and he will use us to edify as we submit ourselves and listen carefully, ultimately, you must learn from him. And any true ministry will tell you, go to Jesus. Go directly to him. I can tell you what the Bible says on different things. Maybe I have more study in certain areas. We can pray and receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit and leading. But ultimately, you have to get down on your knees. You have to read the book. You have to pray the prayer. You have to test the spirits. You have to be like the Bereans and test if what's being said is right or wrong according to the Word of God. The responsibility doesn't end because I speak. The responsibility is on you to test every word I say. The only teacher that does not make a mistake is Jesus, and we are called to directly learn from him. Maybe in the church, it's not the actual semantics of which titles are appropriate so much as what is the attitude behind the title. Maybe that's more important than the actual semantics. What is the attitude behind what's being said or how the title's being used? In too many churches, old and new, Catholic, Orthodox, and Protestant, mainline and evangelical, and yes, even Bible-believing and born again, suppose ministers of Christ embrace 
and wear their titles in all their splendor and importance and establish a spiritual dependency of the people on them that only should be on God and his Christ. And we pray that God would raise up a generation of stewards who, like the 24 elders before the throne of God in the book of Revelation, will take and fall down before the Lord and take whatever crown they have and throw it at the feet of the Lord and worship and pray and say, as it says in Revelation 4.11, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Praise the Lord. Jesus, we reverence you. We give praise and honor and glory to you. And I want to just close this section out by turning to the book of Acts. In chapter 10, we read about Cornelius, a centurion. He's a devout man who feared God, and he's a centurion. He has helped to give alms generously and He's helped the Jewish people, even though he's in the Italian regiment that's right now occupying Israel. And he sees an angel who tells him to send men to Joppa, to a place where Peter is lodging. That Peter would tell Cornelius what he must do, what he must do to be saved. Peter is praying on the housetop. And as the men are sent from Cornelius... He's told by the Spirit to go with the men that Cornelius has sent. Now this is Peter, clearly the leader of the 12 apostles. This is Peter to whom Jesus had said in Matthew chapter 16, when he had asked the question, who do men say that I am? Who do men say that the Son of Man is? And then he asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? And Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 17, Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter. So there's a change of the name from Simon to Peter, the rock. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That confession, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, is the foundation of the church. It's the rock. It's the solid foundation, and those that make that confession provide the foundation of the church. The gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. He gives such as Peter the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And obviously Peter himself comes under that, that umbrella because he's the first one here that does it. And many, many saints throughout history have done it who have made the like confession and the church has grown 
on the true experience in being saved by Jesus Christ that the world never knew when they died. No one showed it on television. No one displayed it. Maybe only a few people came to their funerals. And yet they have done more for the advance of the kingdom of God than some who have had thousands or millions come to see their funeral. How many servants have made the simple confession that Peter made and have done great things for the kingdom of God? This is Peter who was the head of the twelve. This is Peter, the first of the twelve that Jesus appears to when he's risen from the dead. This is Peter who stands up and preaches under the anointing of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, and thousands are saved. This is Peter to whom Jesus said, Feed my lambs, tend my sheep. This Peter goes to Cornelius' house, and we read in chapter 10 of Acts, verse 24, And the following day they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and his close friends. He wants to hear the word of God. He knows God has shown him. The angel has shown him. Here comes the salvation of God. You're going to hear about it. And this man, Peter, will tell you. So there's a natural reaction by Cornelius. Verse 25, as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. It was a natural reaction. Here's one that God has said, I have anointed to come to you to tell you my word, what you must do. So Cornelius feels reverence and awe towards him. And he falls down at his feet for this holy man of God, this leader of the 12 apostles, this one who had been with Jesus for three plus years. The one to whom Jesus says, I will give the keys to the kingdom. Verse 26, but Peter lifted him up. But Peter lifted him up saying, stand up, what? I myself am also a man. Now, if that's the attitude of Peter, then even those that try to make some type of ambiguous connection to him historically, she want to do the same thing, though there is no such historical connection. But indeed, he was the leader of the Twelve. And the Twelve were commissioned to go out and preach the gospel to the whole world. And Peter did his part, and Peter stumbled. Peter sinned, and Peter came back, because why? Peter's a man, right? Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I myself am also a man. And then Peter discharged his duty as a servant of God. He preaches the gospel. Before he even finishes preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes upon them, and they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. Because ultimately the work is of God. Heavenly Father, this one to whom Jesus said, feed my lambs, knew to reject all the reverence and all the homage and to live the simple life of simply discharging the duty you had given him. You gave him great authority, Lord. We have his epistles. He was a great stone in the new Jerusalem. He is a pillar upon which the church was built. And yet he knew, as Paul knew and John knew and James knew, that they were just sinful men. 
he said to you, get away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. Father, we thank you that you give servants, laborers in the field, to bring forth your word and to speak the words of salvation to your people. But Father, forgive your people in Christ for the sins of the generation of believers when this message was forgotten to beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Father, restore a right knowledge of authority to your church. Raise up many young people, Lord God, to your service who will have a proper attitude when they go about discharging their duty to you. Father, baptize them, anoint them. Raise up an army of Elijahs, we pray. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. If you would like to listen to the program again or other radio broadcasts in our archive, you can join us on the internet at www.shiarjashub.org. You'll also find info on our church, including our church history and articles of faith. And Pastor will be adding insightful commentaries on the scriptures. Right now, there is an important article he has written on Christian responsibility, which we hope you take the time to read. The address again is www.shiarjashub.org. That's S-H-E-A-R hyphen J-A-S-H-U-B dot O-R-G. And may the Lord richly bless you as you serve him.